Welcome to the KLE Podcast with your host, Sean Smith. Encouraging and equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset to inspire, to influence, and to impact your culture where you are every single day. And now for today's episode. Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the KLE podcast and this is the Kingdom Leadership Equipping Group. This is your host, Sean Smith. Great to be with you again on another episode. And this is a special guest episode that uh, every now and again I throw in um, when I can find a really special guest. <laughs> so um, I have with me uh, my friend Dana Thompson. I spoke on his with his group um, a few weeks ago. We, we lost track of when that was but anyway it was a few weeks ago <laughs> we spent time together welcome dana great to have you with me today and with us well brother good good to see you and all as always it's always good to be um together with you especially <laughs> when talking about the kingdom of god <laughs> amen yeah so that's what it's about it's uh, kingdom leadership equipping is equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset a kingdom perspective and a kingdom way of doing things and uh, and dana is a author a speaker a business person a gift of the body of christ and so he comes um, loaded with uh, with a bunch of um, information content insights and gifting that i know is going to be a blessing to you so um it just came to me the other day i thought you know i don't know i'm just gonna um, you know, I just felt like you popped into my head as I was sitting early in the morning praying and I was just like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to invite you uh, to come and be part of whatever's happening. I'm, I know you're going to be a blessing. So Dana, let's kick off by you telling us something about yourself. Um, I mean, that's my introduction, but tell us a bit something about something we don't know, something uh, about yourself. So, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you uh, having me on once again. So good to be on the Kingdom Leadership Equipping. I've actually listened to many of your podcasts and it's been a tremendous blessing to my life. You know, as one of the things I found out, if you're going to be leading anyone, especially being led by the Spirit, is that you must be able to have an ear to hear and receive instructions along the way from those who God uses. And, and I will say to you today, Sean, that... Uh, you are tremendously being used to remind us of very valuable principles in which the word state in order for us to build upon. So I'm just thankful for you being here. And also I'm thankful for being here with you. Um, I will just say I'm the father of, of course, five beautiful children. Um, I have uh, a couple of boys and three girls and all young adults now. And uh, that is my basically my joy of uh, being able to be the father of these wonderful children. And of course, when you have that many children, you know, God gives you a lot of things. And one of those things is how to take care of and how to father those children. I was sharing with a group of people today how our souls, when, in this, in, in, when our souls are in an immature state, it's like a child, you know, it's like a baby. And, uh, and I'm reminded of my soul my children a lot of times. Sometimes God will mirror the behavior of my, ch my children to show me things about myself. <laughs> I was recalling that this morning to a group of believers as uh, I begin to tell them about how we used to teach our children that slow obedience is no obedience. And basically that was our 
way of saying, hey, when you when you try to obey God slowly, you know, that's taken as no, because it wasn't really in your heart to do it, even if you do it. Uh, and they, they recall to me the scripture, well, what about the guy who said, I'm not going to do it? And he went to do it. And, uh, and I had to pause and think about that. You know, <laughs> I was like, well, I think it's all about the heart. It's always an issue of the heart. And I think this is what we're dealing with when we deal with any subject, especially that of leadership. It's a subject in which we have to uh, be able to discern the heart of God concerning how he looks at us as leaders. Because one of the scriptures that came to me when I first began to think about leadership and being a leader myself is those who are led of the spirit are the sons of God. So that's been my testimony and my journey, uh, Sean, is that uh, I will be led of the spirit of God and sometimes I'm like Peter. I didn't like the places he he led me because I felt like I was upside down and crucified, you know, when I left those places. But yet I'm appreciative of how God builds in his children's life. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, leadership is everything. John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership, everything. And uh, they set the tone, they set the direction, they set the culture, they set the atmosphere. And uh, we definitely, I mean, you know, I, I think that's, that's been my greatest conviction. Not only my experiences, uh, you know, just <laughs> over 40 years of ministry and the experiences I've, I've gone through with various, the good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful, the best, and the excellent, and the not so great of leadership. Uh, you know, I came to just suddenly God just began to rise up in my heart and say, I want, you know, a message began to... As, rise up in on the inside of me is I have to say something. I have to begin to put out the truth, the, the right principles that we begin to see a new generation of leaders arise in yes. the world, you know, not only yes. in ministry, we need them in ministry. Oh, for goodness sakes, we need exceptional leaders, true leaders in ministry, but we also need them in society. We need them in our homes. We need them in our communities. We need them in our nations. You know, we need true leaders with, with a, a real different mindset to arise at such a time as this, you know, and, uh, and I thank God. I mean, yes, I was, I was just saying, I just wanted to say you're absolutely correct. I was thinking about uh, the scripture in Isaiah chapter number three and chapters four that talked about when God was ju uh, judging Judah, he says that, uh, that children will be your leaders. Right. And also you will be ruled by infants. Yes. And I was thinking, wow, you know, so even though um, there's those who are up and coming because leaders are not born, they're made. Right. And so since we know that, even those who are up and coming leaders, they still need someone to show them the way. So leadership is really key in whether a nation uh, and also a home can move forward or be stagnant or actually fall. Absolutely. Exactly. You know? right. So maybe that's a little bit where we, we can... Um, I'd love you to just give some input. I mean, on our on our meeting that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking yes. about sort of the the standard of character within men, and uh, and I think you know to broaden the field a little bit within leaders as well. There is, you know, I really feel like there's a moral standard and a, a moral um, excellence, an ethical excellence that needs to be in the, the, these, this generation of leaders that needs to rise, not just, I mean, in the next, let's put it this way, we, we need another generation, but we need this generation to impact that generation, to help them rise up, as you say, to, 
to give them that atmosphere, to give them that, that equipping, that empowering that allows them to rise up. And so it means that right now, right here, you know, we have to start in this generation, we have to start having the right standard of character, the right standard of uh, ethical, moral excellence. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of Daniel that says that he had an excellent spirit. It was it wasn't just that he was spiritual. <laughs> it was that he had an excellence about his character, his attitude, yes. his approach. Yes. And so I was thinking, you know, if you can maybe take us down that rabbit trail a little bit and, and uh, edify the leaders that, you know, and those that, it, the thing, let me just say this, it's, it's not just those in positions and roles of leadership, because right. when you're influencing and inspiring others you are in a leadership role just the simple fact that you go to work every day or go to the ministry every day or whatever you're doing you get up and you have a family every day you are a leader uh, because you're influencing people around you so this is don't tune, you know tune out because you go well i'm not a pastor or i'm not a bishop and or i'm not a you know, a politician, but you are a leader because other people are looking at you and we need you as a right. person to be the influence and to be the inspiration that they need. So listen carefully. Dana's got something to tell you, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. You know, one of the things I have discovered is that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard right. against him. And that standard is that standard of character in which you're speaking in reference to. And I was thinking about what you just said there, Sean, about uh, the different generations. You know, God said that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He listed three different generations there. Because what I'm learning is that in order for a move of God to be fully um, brought forth, it's going to take three generations. It's going to take at least three generations. So it's really important that um, right now, we have the younger generation who sometimes feel like they don't have a need for the older generation, and the older generation who think they can abandon the younger generation. But you and I both know the older generation will die off, and the younger generation needs what the older generation has. So the attitude that has gone forth in our culture is one of war and division, but yet God never intended it to be that way. It's supposed to have been uh, a transfer of impartation of wisdom and knowledge and revelation. Yeah. So along the line of which you're speaking in reference to, one of the things I've discovered after counseling many men, because I really appreciate you introducing the fact that, um, that I do, um, I write books. Matter of fact, I'm writing my sixth book right now called Awakening to My Wife. My very first book was called Awaken to My Wife. And that had to do with like Adam waking from his sleep. And the first thing he saw when he woke up was his wife standing before him. <laughs> so it takes man to be awakened in order for him to see his need for woman. That's what this book is all about. And then I actually supplementally started a book right after that called Covering Empowering Women. And what this book basically was in reference to is how a lot of women would start to feel like they had to go in and do a lot of things on their own and how that really sets them up for demonic attack. And I take it back right again to the book of Genesis when, uh, um, Eve was having a conversation with the serpent, and the Bible says her husband was there. So sometimes um, your husband can even be present, but women can feel like they're still not protected in the midst of the demonic. And so that's what this book sort of talks about. And then the Lord really put it on my heart. We're moving into an hour and a season in which 
um, generations will be very dishonorable. And nothing can be passed on without honor. So I wrote a book called uh, um, The House of Honor. And basically in the, within this book, it talks about how God is building a spiritual house. And one of the attributes of this culture will be that of honor. And I sort of describe what honor and respect looks like in the kingdom of God. And then of course, uh, I had so many men that I've helped out. I've literally had several pastors come to me to confess that they're struggling with pornography. And so from this five to 10 years of counseling leadership, the Lord put it on my heart to write this book called Porno, Road to Intimacy. And of course, porn, no, is of course, no porn. But um, I had a real struggle with the title because it's using the word porno. But you know, one of the strategic things I found is that when you do searches, if you put in the word porno, uh, people outside even of Christians are pulling this book up and is reading it, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to catch people who probably was going on the internet looking for something differently and didn't come to find that God is meeting them you know, through a word called intimacy because the whole uh, purpose of this book is to basically show that men are struggling right now because they lack intimacy and I've defined what that intimacy is. And then of course, my last book is called When the Father and Son Model Breaks. I just finished this one. I don't know if you know, Sean, but I just finished this one about three or four months ago. And uh, it's my prized possession. I actually share all of my failings as a father and how I learned from my first son what to do and what not to do. But yet I also share the grace of God and how it is sufficient even our weaknesses. So I go and I sort of talk about, you know, the importance of um, the natural father in a son's life and affirming him and basically building with him that and speaking that which God has talked to the father about his son and how incredible that is. I remember somebody sent me a, uh, a Facebook uh, video and this son was taking his father to the doctors. And you can tell they didn't have a really, really close relationship, um, but yet they had some type of relationship. Yes. Well, when the son was taking his father to the doctors, the son put on some music and uh, the music happened to be his music. He never showed his father or never actually played the music in front of his father before, but he began to play this music. And when he played the music, his father said, uh, is that you? And he says, yeah, do you like it? And you can tell when he asked him, do you like it? The father was like, yeah, I like it. And he started dancing. He's like, man, this is awesome. You should have seen the gleam of glow on this son. I mean, he just lit up. And that's what a father can do. So I talk about the strategies and how important a father is in the life of his sons and of his daughters. I even go into the spiritual aspect because there's been a movement called father and sons that's been very abusive. And so I address the boundaries of that type of relationship, even in the kingdom of God. So hopefully, uh, you know, afterwards, I'll, I'll give you guys a link so you can check out whatever one you feel is relevant to you. But to go back to what you're saying, uh, Sean, one of my, one of the things I've run into, especially when it comes to leaders, me being or considered a leader myself, is that our greatest weakness, I'm talking about of leaders in particular, is our inability to actually admit our need. You know, we constantly at times, we struggle with admitting the things that we really need. Uh, somewhere along the line, we were taught that we can go in at it alone and that, you know, just go, go, go. Even though you may have um, hurt 
in your in, in relationships. And even though you wounded, you got to keep going. So we have these leaders who are bleeding in the battlefield and have not taken time to bandage those wounds. And as a result, hurt people are beginning to hurt people. And so we see in division being brought forth in the church, even by leaders, because they haven't addressed wounds, which God is pointing out or has pointed out in their life. About a month ago, the Lord put it on my heart to address sexless marriages. I, and I say that because this is becoming a grave issue, believe it or not, with a lot of leadership friends who have talked to me. And I had to address it because the Apostle Paul addressed it. And he actually talked about how that when a man and woman even consent to a period of time in their relationship not to become physically intimate. They do it so because of fasting and prayer, but he admonished them right afterwards to please come back together or you will give the enemy room. And I tell you, Sean, I've seen the enemy get in so many relationships and it's not just the physical act of sex, it's the addressing of intimacy and how we have lost track of our need to be intimate. So we need to understand that men in particular, you know, seem to have this inability to admit need. And that's one of the things that the Lord has had to harp on. And that's one of the things I've been really doing a lot of teaching on. And that is intimacy, even within leadership and dealing with uh, uh, personal problems. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know, I did a, I did, you're talking about sexless marriage. I mean, I did a, just a bit of research uh, probably last year. And I just, mm -hmm. I just, you know, what is divorce statistics? And, um, and I was surprised if in the American context, there's more divorces in the, in the conservative Christian um, community than there is anywhere yeah. else. And I, and you know, the question then is why, why is it so prevalent in the church, in the, in, in this, and conservatives are normally more church leaning than than the liberal side, you know. So, uh, right, you right. know, it, that's just sort of the the known fact. And and I, so, why is that? Why is that? You know, such a high percentage amongst uh, Bible believing, church going people, or or conservative people, and and you know what you come to there, of course. That's what I began to think of is like, what is the root cause? And you address that in in poor no is like, don't just don't just talk about the the uh, leaves, you know, and changing the look, but what is the root? And, and of course, that's something, you know, I found in dealing with leaders and change is like, many times we want to address the fruit, but we never address the root. And if you want to change the fruit, you've got to change the root. And uh, Exactly. And, and I think the wrong questions are being asked in many cases, like, you know, so it's not just, you know, why is there a divorce, but what is the root cause of, of the systemic um, proliferation of such a debilitating, dysfunctional, I mean, damaging uh, situation within the church, you know, it's just like, what is yes. the and I think you're addressing it right there, you know, right there. I think in, in, in more aspects than one, it's actually encapsulated in that one situation that you're addressing. Yeah, you know, I, I'm reminded of the scripture um, about the uh, John the Baptist is what we call him. You, we like to give him that name, but about John, who was doing baptizing out in the wilderness. It said that the axe, he said the axe is now being laid to the root of the tree 
And I believe that was a prophetic proclamation that if you are going to really deal with behavior, which I consider to be fruit, you know, behavior, the way a person acts is fruit. And let me just give you an example of what I mean by that. I had a brother who I really deeply loved and he had backslidden. And I didn't know because we had gotten out of contact for a season because of my move to Texas. I used to be in Maryland. And I finally got in contact with him because somebody says, you know, I saw this brother and he was smoking and he just didn't seem like himself. You need to reach out to him. So I reached out to him and he says, uh, how you doing? I'm sure you heard, you know, I've been drinking, I've been smoking, I've been doing some things. And I was like, hey man, how you doing? I was like, I'm not worried about the behavior. How you doing? He says, well, he says, I just noticed that, you know, smoking just calms me down. He says, I got light going on in my life. And he began just to explain all the things that was going on with him. And he felt like uh, to keep from going crazy, he says, you know, this nicotine sort of calmed me down. And I said, well, as I talked to him a little bit more, I began to talk to him about, you know, how are you doing with, you know, uh, those close relations? How are you doing with your mom? How are you doing with your dad? When he got to talking about his dad, his voice changed. I can tell his whole countenance changed. And, um, and he began to talk about how his dad upset him and how him, him and his dad are not on speaking terms. And, and uh, by the time he finished, I sensed a great deal of insecurity in him um, concerning a door he had opened up or apparently a bitterness had, had set into his heart. And the Lord just showed me that, you know, He's so insecure that that cigarette he's puffing on give him security. It's almost like a baby with a bottle in its mouth. You know, when that baby sucks that bottle, not only are they getting milk, but it sort of gives them, you know, a feeling of security. That's why we have to wean them off that bottle because eventually they're going to keep wanting the bottle until they're 12 and 13 years old if you let them. So, um, so in this particular case, the Lord showed me, Dana, he is dealing with deep rooted insecurity. So I begin to talk to him about love. I begin to talk to him about how God loves us and, and, and going to that root. And eventually he started crying. And, and, uh, and of course, when he started crying, he realized how much God loved him. And guess what? He stopped smoking. He stopped drinking. All that was, was basically banished because the discernment and insight of the Lord was, let's go to the root. And this brother is not just smoking. It's not the outwardness that he's smoking and drinking. What he's really dealing with is a deep insecurity that his father, that he wanted love from his father that he never received and he never really forgave his father. So once I addressed that issue, which was what I consider to be a root issue, man, his behavior aligned, everything aligned back. He got back up in the word, he stood himself back up and he started walking again. So that's a perfect example of, I agree with you 100%. We have to learn how to pluck the fruit and not just uh, or pluck the fruit, but first sever the root, should I say. Yeah, deal with the roots and then we can get the right fruit, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go back to your original question just very quickly that you asked about why is it that, you know, some people find themselves in that type of situation and they continue to do it. It's because what I've come to recognize, if we don't recognize we have a need of something, we're not going to pursue it, you know? If we don't recognize we have a need, we're not going to pursue it. So when people don't see a need and you bring it to their attention, that's the only reason why you're gonna see a, a different behavior because most people are not gonna pursue what they don't believe they need. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and that was the thought I was gonna bring up again is just, um, 
you know, it's that it's the realness that that we leaders need to have is just, you know, it's just authenticity would be another word for me is just being authentic enough to say, yes, I need, I need help. I need, I need strength. I need, but what stops them from doing that? What stops them? Because I mean, let's, how would you connect that to, to the leader's character? Yes. Well, it's real. One of the greatest feelings in the world is feeling like you belong. Is feeling like you have been accepted. And I think that's why Jesus makes the proclamation that, you know, we are accepted in the beloved. And that's why I believe God confirms Jesus at the baptism and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, because that affirmation is so important to the development, healthy development of a relationship with God and also um, being able to be intimate. Um, one of the things I've run across is that when I talk to people, a lot of times, I don't think that they uh, understand how important relationships are. You know, they feel like they can pursue and do things without first attending to their relationship. And of course, our relationship with God is of utmost importance. The, the way we vertically to the Lord is going to affect our horizontal relationship. But also what I learned is that we hear that, yes, our our vertical relationship with the Lord affects our horizontal relationship, but nobody ever tells you that your horizontal relationship can affect your vertical relationship. And let me just tell you what I mean by that. My father was one who, if I made a mistake, he was quick to jump on me, you know? And one of the ways in which I always knew I made a mistake was when um, he would call my name out. If I heard him call my name a certain way, he would say, Dana, when he said that, I was like, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? You know, so I knew that he did not accept any something I did or I did something wrong when he would just call my name out. So that was sort of what I grew up with and what I was used to as far as a part of understanding authority uh, in my life. I was in a meeting one time. It was this brother. He was very well gifted with a personal prophetic. And um, in this meeting, he's a guest speaker. And I knew about everybody in that meeting. I pretty much knew the majority of them because I had a relationship with a lot of them and some of them were my friends. So I knew what was going on because we have talked to each other about certain situations. For example, one of the people could not give birth to a child and they've been trying everything. And, um, and they, they, they actually went to the doctors, they went and got checked out. I mean, they, everything was in fine in place. They just was trying to have a baby for eight to nine years and they just couldn't do it. So he actually came up to them and said, and he basically says, you know what? I see children all around you. And when he said that, they just both fell out. And I realized that prophetic word definitely unlocks, you know, things in which the demonic tries to lock. And so of course, like two years later, she got pregnant and uh, they start and then they have children after that so what a tremendous blessing and testimony how the prophetic can bring life but also uh the reason why i'm sharing that is because i was in tears and i never get i had my eyes closed and i was praying and i was interceding while he was praying for everybody because i heard him call out people names and he started giving them words and when he called out the name of the person i knew exactly without even looking back i knew exactly from what i heard who he was talking to and I knew that what he was saying, their situation, it was the Lord. You know, it was like, oh, it was affirmative. 
Now, because I was sitting up front and it was probably about three to 400 people in this meeting, um, I wasn't expecting somebody to tap my shoulder. So I heard somebody tap my shoulder. And when I turned around, because I had tears in my eyes from my, the words from my friends and I was just like praying and I was just overwhelmed and it was him. And he said, excuse me, sir, what's your name? And I said, Dana. And when I said Dana, he said, Dana. And when he said Dana, the way he said it, he sounded like my father. And so immediately when he said Dana, my heart sunk because I'm like, oh my God, the Lord is about to tell me something I did wrong. He's about to bring correction to my life. And the next words that came out of his mouth was this, Sean. He said, Dana, I have not, an, the Lord says, I have no indictment against you. I just have love for you. When he said that, I saw the Lord and everything in me just broke. I mean, people said he prophesied over me for 10 minutes, but after that, I didn't hear anything because I mean, I was so broken and I fell on the ground and I started weeping and crying because I got delivered that day. I got delivered that day from the fear of somebody stating my name. And I believe that, you know, because they stated my name, I did something wrong. You know, that just brought great deliverance for me. And so my friends would say, did you hear the other things he said? I was like, honestly, I have to go back and listen to it because I was gone after the first three words. I was completely gone. So you see there, my father and my relationship with my father affected how I viewed my eternal father. And I was not even aware of that. Mm. And then the most humiliating thing that I had the opportunity to experience. When I wrote my first book called Awaken to My Wife, uh, my father was in the Navy and also he was a Marine. He had gone through uh, a lot of different turmoil. He had been through a couple of wars and um, he had been drinking and that was his way of solving the pain of how he had lost friends in the war. And basically one of the uh, stories he used to tell me is how a plane came down and chopped off his best friend head and uh, just missed him. And so he has these horrific stories and I can, you know, I can imagine, you know, how much emotional trauma that may have been. And I knew that he wasn't going to be able to be healed from this thing without the Lord. And I was not a Christian at that time. But um, in the book, I wanted to tell some stories because he would come home sometime and he would be very abusive, not only to mother, to the children. And um, one day he had, uh, was getting ready to hit my mom and I actually knocked him through the patio window. And he said, the words that came out of his mouth was, I'm going to kill you. And my mother literally had to send me to live with my aunts and uncles for a couple of uh, weeks because that's how mad he was. And she's like, baby, I'm sorry. I don't want you to get hurt. So I had to live with a little bit of emotional trauma. And I wrote about some of this in my book. And half of the book was written about some of that. But when I was writing one day, the Lord stopped me and says, Dana, I'm not going to have you to desecrate the grave of your father. He's saying, this is it. He says, I'm not going to allow you to speak on certain things. So listen to what I would allow you to speak on, not what you just want to share. And so that was a major correction for my heart. Um, the reason why I mention it all is because when my father was living, he had become blind the last part of his years on the earth because of diabetes. And uh, my mother and he was still living together. And basically my mother called me up one day and told me because he had uh, sugar, uh, sugar diabetes, that uh, she asked me if I would take him to the doctor because she was too sick to do it. 
So I told her, no problem, mom. And I came over to take my father to the doctor. And I tell you, Sean, when I came over, she says, Dana, I'm not even able to get him dressed. You're going to have to get him dressed. You're going to have to wash him up. And so I took him into the bathroom. I never forget. And I washed his, you know, he didn't have any clothes on. I washed his back. I washed his behind. And then when I got to the front and I, you know, washed his chest and I had to move down to his private areas to wash it. All of a sudden, I began to think about all the trauma I had as a child. Because what he was saying, because he was not the same man, he was listening to messages that I was teaching because I had become a Christian and began to minister the word and I would give him some teachings on it. He began to talk about the word I shared and he's like, Dana, I really enjoyed that message you shared on this, this and that. And so while he's talking to me, I'm watching him and I'm having all of these flashbacks of things that have happened to me when I was a child. And right then and there, I begin to wash his legs and his private part. The Lord revealed to me, you know, his love for my dad and his love for me. And I literally was weeping without him letting me hear. I didn't open my mouth and cry out, but I was just humming inside because that's how much I was weeping on the inside, uh, being healed from years of the way I have viewed my father and the Lord was allowing me to know because six months later, he went on to be with the Lord. The Lord was allowing me to know that um, it was okay that he had, he, had, he had done a work in my father and that he had blessed my father. And also that he never wanted me to you know, be traumatized by these memories of the past. So our past has a lot to do with our future. That's all I'm saying. And I think that because of undressed root issues, as we were saying in the very beginning, um, this is what I believe causes many men to fall into areas of immorality. So what can they do about it, Daniel? I mean, if somebody sits well, what, right now mm -hmm. saying, okay, you know, um, I've got, uh, I've got, you know, I've got hurts, I've got emotional scars, I've got trauma. Sometimes they don't even realize, you know, that the things, how much it's affecting them. I mean, something happened to me when I was a child, um, as maybe six years old or something like that. And it held me in bondage. It affected my life for the next 28 years and uh, mm -hmm. designed my personality, basically, um, how I conducted myself with people. And, uh, and uh, only, you know, then God began to heal me and, and set me free from that whole thing. So, um, you know, what can somebody do about, about that when, you know, whether they realize it or not? Well, I think one of the things you have to do is realize your need for relationship. I believe... Uh, one of the men you have quoted that um, who have blessed you as far as your leadership, I forget his name, um, I actually have a picture with him. Um, I was listening to one of your broadcasts and you mentioned his name. But anyway, I think I read like a little book by him one time and he talked about the story of an emperor who wanted to find out what the original language was. And he went on to talk about in order to achieve this, what the empress did is they took three babies and they hired midwives and took them out to this private island. So the babies could not, you know, be around anyone. And they put each baby on a, you know, the north, south, west side of the island. And they had these midwives and they had the wife sign a covenant that they will not talk during the times with the babies. The only thing they could basically do is just change, you know, basically change the baby, but there'd be no picking up the baby, cuddling the baby, nothing like that. And uh, eventually three weeks later, one of the babies died and then a month later, the other baby died. And then of course, weeks following that, the third baby died. 
So the emperor never found out what the original language was, but what the emperor did find out is that relationships are vital, you know? So what I'm saying is so important that we understand our need for relationships. Right. A lot of people find themselves, especially leaders find themselves in the predicament they're in because they don't feel like, even though they minister to people every day, they don't have many inner circle friends, as we would say. Even Jesus himself went to the Mount of Transfiguration and he only took three, you know, call it his inner circle, you know, Peter, James, and John. And he revealed himself and even he revealed himself in the glory. He showed them something that he didn't show the other 12 or he didn't show at that time, you know, people he walked with or the 5,000 or the 70 or the, you know, he only showed them to that three. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that I believe God, that's what the Lord's way of just not showing us who Jesus is but showing us that Jesus was willing to reveal something about himself that he even told them before they went back down to not share what they saw with anyone. So when you have a person you can tell something to and you feel like they cover you in love and that they're not going to share what you revealed to them, that's what I consider to be an intimate friend. I have a whole teaching on friendships, the level of friendships. You know, we have casual friendships where we talk about the weather and so forth. And then, of course, we have uh, what I consider to be um, just a close friend, you know, somebody who we can talk about uh, details about life and what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to accomplish. But those intimate friendships is somewhere, someone you can bear your weaknesses to. You can lay your, you know, your heart on their altar and they're not going to stab it. You know, what they're going to do is seek the Lord with you concerning a remedy or, or healing to your heart. So I really need healthy relationships. You know, that's one of the things that, uh, believe it or not, it sounds very foundational. But what I'm coming to find out from counseling many people is that most people don't realize they need healthy relationships. I'm not talking about casual relationships. We talk about the news and sports and things about, you know, what, what we agree on. I'm talking about relationships where it's so close and intimate that you don't feel like you're, you're going at this alone. You know, it's so important that, of course, we work on our relationship with the Lord, but we need other people. I actually write in a book called The Ships of God. I went to Guyana, South America, and the Lord gave me a revelation. They asked me to teach at this church every morning, and uh, he gave me a revelation of the ships of God. And I taught for an entire month, and pastors are coming to the teaching on the ships of God. And you probably wonder, what are you talking about, Dana? What fleet of ships are you talking about? I'm saying relationship, worship, fellowship, stewardship, discipleship. I mean, I just went through all what I call the ships of God. And I just built, starting from the very first thing, worship, and went into relationship. Because we can't have fellowship even with one another unless we're walking in the light, unless we're vulnerable, unless we want to approach people naked. There's a degree of transparency. When the Bible says even Adam were naked, they were just not talking about their physical birth suit. <laughs> it was actually talking about there was a degree of transparency and light and truth in which they walked in and how vital that is in order for us to grow and keep ourselves from falling into the gloominess and misunderstanding in the world of chaos and confusion that we call darkness. Yeah, yeah I noticed, I mean, over the years, I've noticed two things that, that really have stood out to me is that one, um, we need to honor, we need to honor one another. And, you know, when it comes to that, that close place is that 
honor that person's um, confidentiality, honor their, and with respect, you know, honor their, their trust, honor their position, honor, the, and not, I'm not talking about their position in whatever, you know, as a bishop or whatever the story, but just their place in the body of Christ, honor them as a person, honor them with, with that confidentiality, with that thoughtfulness, with that empathy. I found very little of that. I found most leaders are more interested in sharing about themselves than about listening. I had a leader come and visit me one day and just out the blue, he called me and he said, I need time with you. I took off a week of work and spent a whole week just walking and talking. And as he shared his dilemma, the crisis that he was going through at that point in time. And, and then his wife flew in a couple of days later and I took them through a whole day of discussion and communication to help their marriage and focus the marriage and, and, uh, and, you know, they were able to find restoration in that kicked off and, and uh, began to do what they needed to do, you know, from that point onwards. And, and um, because for me, it was, I knew that when I needed that, there was nobody around for me to have that, you know, it's just, um, I thank God for the friends that I have got in my life, you know, and I think like Steve has been an incredible friend in that area we, for years and years, we've We've been able to speak about things, but, um, you know, just generally around, especially in the ministry, funny enough, is just, I could never find an honorable friend. And then mm. the other thing is, is that most guys are too insecure to be transparent, to be, to be uh, real, to be, you know, who they are and say, I am a struggle. They always got to sort of, because I think of that honor backwards and forwards, they too scared to share who they really are and what the really struggles are because okay. it gets used against them, you know? And so, um, well, you, you know, know what I say, uh, Sean, I say Jesus was the son of God, but Mark shows us him as the son of man and people who are around me, I'm not afraid to show them my flesh sometimes because I said, I want you to see the son of man. Yeah. I never want you to That's think that I'm perfect because then you're going to try and worship me. You know, I want you to see my humanity. And so if Christ was not afraid to show his humanity, we shouldn't either. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, that's exactly what it is, is that, but we've got these two sides of, of the, a struggle that isolates leadership. You know, you can go and, and sit in a, a fraternal or a minister's fellowship or a minister's conference, and everything is very superficial, very like, hello, how are you? How many people do you have? Oh, I just started three churches, you know, oh, wonderful. I'm speaking at this conference. And, and but nobody deep dives and saying how, like you were saying, is that like, how are you? No, how's your marriage? You know, I was thinking, Dana, of, of a, a, a a move of God that started here in America like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and the, and it was down in Florida, big thing happened and signs and wonders and everything, and everybody was watching it and, and everything else. And the next thing, um, everybody was on the platform saying, we are lining apostolically with this move of God and everything. And my question was, who is in this man's life? Who's in his home? Yes. Who's sitting and mm -hmm. asking the, the deep questions, not the ministerial question, not the gifting question, not the success questions, but the who are you questions. And not long after that, it came out that there was a whole lot of moral issues involved in this. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly everybody's like, we're not aligned with this anymore. You know, and I'm going, 
this is sad because that's exactly what builds up these defenses and walls around people because suddenly you know these are these are fathers where are the fathers in this man's life you know and and uh, and i think you know that's where we've got to what you're hitting on is like it's like such a sensitive thing and and i know it's like so necessary i i just know it's so necessary. well you're absolutely right and i'm familiar with that move because i've had people go down there who was related to me and experienced the same thing and I, believe it or not sean i asked them the same questions that you're asking um because i knew that um you know, you, you experience these moves and then you have these personalities show up on the scene affirming it, you know, that what God is doing there. But um, I knew that there's a part of humanity that still, you know, uh, needs to be aware of the fact of that it's not you, you know, that is the Lord working through you. It's only by his grace uh, that we are who we are. You know, I discovered that many people today don't acknowledge their deep need for relationships. And this is what I'm seeing when even after the fact, you know, David said, oh, I'll have the mighty fallen. Why? Because of the simple fact that we are afraid to acknowledge our need for relationship. I would met with a group of men, uh, it was 12 of us about six months ago, and most of them were leaders. And I asked them, uh, what is your definition of intimacy? You know, because I've heard T.D. Jakes, into me, see, you know, we have all these slogans and I understand that, that that's good. I heard the into me, see part. And uh, so before you repeat that, I just want to know for you, you know, from your perspective, if somebody, if your child walked up to you and asked you, uh, dad, what is intimacy? What would you say? And uh, within us, I, I believe there's ability to not only give love but it's a capacity to receive love and most men never acknowledge you know their ability to receive love they always talk about how they have to give you know they have to give love to their wife or give love to the children but i always want to know how are you receiving love yeah. because if you can't articulate to me how you are receiving love that right there in and of itself is setting you to fail that's, that's grounds of failure because God is love, his whole nature of love. And unless we understand, you know, the different rooms and the dimensions in which God would like to speak of to us concerning love, it can basically provide uh, voids in our life and our heart that we would try to fill, you know, of course, with other things. There's a great need of intimacy within every human being. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that when a premature baby is born, uh, one of the things they immediately do is once that baby is born is go and put it on its mother's chest. And they let the baby stay there for hours because it's been proven medically that when a baby is skin to skin with his mother, that it accelerates his growth. Right. It accelerates his growth. So I thought that was powerful yeah. because of the simple fact, I believe God physically shows us how when we are intimate, you know, that's a mother and baby. But when we are become intimate with the Lord and with one another, that growth will begin to accelerate in other areas of our life. We will feel fulfilled. We won't feel like we have to go and try to, you know, fill a void with something else. We would be fulfilled because everything that we have that pertains to life and godliness is in the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let me just say this because I don't I don't know how much time we have, but I just wanted to say what I mean by intimacy. You know, my definition of when I think about intimacy, I think about a willingness not only to be known by others, because that's part of it. I I have a willingness to want to be known by others. I don't have a problem. My life is an open book. Most people who know my wife and I, Rose and I, they walk with us for 20, 30 years. I don't hide much to, you know, from them. I basically, I tell them in my areas of weakness, I share with them like, you know, from my humanity a lot of times. And it's not a false humility. It's me being me. Be, and you'll be surprised, you know, how some of them, you know, will have a word of the Lord for me. And and some of them feel like they've been sent to for season praying for my wife and I. And that's important. Instead of always trying to put up this facade that, you know, we are always okay. We're 100%. We're in great relationship. My wife and I are doing very well because eventually the Lord is going to, you know, expose that inappropriate and like you said, superficial foundation. But also it's a willingness to know others. So intimacy has to do with the will. It's a willingness to be known, but also it's a willingness to want to know others. And uh, this is Either one or the other, I always find a person is pursuing one, but the other one is deeply lacking. So in order to bring balance, because we know the scripture tells us in Proverbs, unjust balance is an abomination for the Lord. We have to have a great desire to know and also to be known by others if we're going to begin to understand exactly what intimacy is. For example, in a family of God, I thank him for my relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Every day I'll be thanking God for different brothers and sisters. I mean, I was thanking God for you and Steve in my life recently and for bringing you and Steve in my life. My, my wife and I, we greatly appreciate the intercircles and the relationships we have. And we also appreciate new relationships that God brings to us because we believe that, that those are so vital and important. We don't put away relationships. There's people revisiting us who knew us 12 and 15 and 20 years ago, but we haven't been in contact, but we noticed they are resurfacing again. And their purpose for that, because God values and build history in relationships because it's meaningful and it all starts with intimacy, you know? Absolutely. But isn't it interesting is um, Abraham was called a friend of God, you know, he was hmm. He wasn't called the pastor or the priest, or he wasn't called, you know, the prophet of God. He was called the friend of God. And he was the beginning of the whole faith, uh, you know, presentation, if you may, over the ages. It's like it started in, in a friendship with God. And I, I feel like sometimes we've forgotten the, the, absolute, uh, the absolute value and the meaning of what friendship really is today. It's just, you know, people... Uh, quickly set aside what God puts together. Let no man put asunder. And, and you know, I, sometimes to, to a fault, uh, I, I I stay faithful to relationships. You know, some young guys said to me once upon a time, they said, Sean, you know, your greatest weakness is you stay too long in a relationship. I said, you know what? I stay in a relationship as long as possible because I believe in 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 the possibility that something good can come out of it. It does, it costs me sometimes, but you know, I that's just me. I just feel like I need to give as much as I can and believe as much as I can in a relationship. Uh, 
until until you know I can't go anymore. <laughs> so um, yes, uh, yes. You know the word of God says I believe is in Second Timothy, Sean. Second Timothy two twenty two. Um, let me see if I can look it up right quick on my phone. It literally says this in Second Timothy two twenty two to be a vessel unto honor, hmm. sanctified and meet for the master's use. And listen to this and prepared for every good work. And then it goes on to say, he is to follow righteousness, faith, talking about this vessel, charity, peace. Listen to what he said, with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart, right. you know? So he's to do those things, to follow righteousness. He's to follow faith. He's to follow charity. He's to follow peace. But he says he's to do it with, not by himself, with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. So that's just my way of saying friendship, friendships yeah. are important to God because of the tremendous influence they hold over our lives. And we often make many decisions based on the counsel of friends. I can't tell you how many decisions, great decisions I've made because of a counsel of friends. Just recently, the doc, uh, dentist wanted to remove my tooth. I talked to one of my friends about it and they said, you know what, I went to this orthodontist. I think you need to go talk to her because I thought I was gonna have to have a tooth removed, but she really uh, did this little procedure and didn't have to remove the tooth. And I did, I went to talk to this person and what was going to be a tooth replacement and it happened to be my front tooth, what was gonna be pulled and replaced. And I was just thinking, oh man, what a headache. And then having to put a you know, lost tooth up in there. I was like, man, this is going to be, uh, you know, painful. You know, I'm thinking, I just don't want to go through this procedure. And because I consulted or told this to my friend, one of my friends, the person she recommended was able to do the procedure and it didn't involve me losing my tooth, having to replace my tooth. So I just think about many times how me sharing things with people who are friends and that's close to me, how it had saved me a lot of time and pain. <laughs> so I agree with you 100%. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think we, we need to realize as leaders how important it is that we can actually sit with people who are honorable, who present themselves as honorable, not because they say they're honorable, but because they're in character, they're honorable, and that we can reveal our, our struggles and our, our journey with somebody. And I, I really feel like when we talk about leadership, and I mean, it, this is all coinciding with what we started off with. It's just like, because this builds character, you know, is coming back to where we started, you know, the intimacy, the, you know, saying I need um, is like when we, when you know, in fact, I think, isn't it in Proverbs 18, one, it says that, um, that when somebody says, I don't need anybody, they, um, they're isolating themselves from everything. Uh, I can't remember the exact words on how it goes, but that just came to my mind. Yeah. But you can have a look at it. As, I think it's Proverbs 18.1. And, and the thing is, we can't isolate ourselves. We have to work within the context of relationships. But my challenge, not to Dana, but to you who is listening, is that are you a kind of person that people can come to that aren't going to get preached at, that aren't going to have, you know, can they come to you and, and actually 
be able to be intimate with you in the sense of reveal who they are and find humanity in you as well. Uh, because I think that is critical. This is the stuff that, that Dana's talking on. And I love it. I, you know, Dana, I, I just, I love to hear somebody that has such a realistic, um, uh, and it, 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 it's a, a combination of, of humanity and the spiritual man, you know, being able to function together with compassion and, and empathy to touch people's lives, you know, because I really believe Dana is like, what you're talking about is the kind of person that really truly is an influence, is an inspiration and has impact in people's lives because they can find that yes. son of God, son of man in you, you know, and uh, we, you know, I, I think it's, it's a, a vital aspect and it makes up mm. your character. It's what your character is about, you know. Right. You're going to always have people who are hurt. Yes. And, you know, they trusted people and they got hurt in the process. How many times have we been hurt, Sean? You know, you have to trust again. You know, you have to be vulnerable again. And they believe that now, since I've been hurt, I have to be self-reliant. And if anything is going to be done right, I have to do it myself. You know, you know how that goes. They have to do it themselves. It's a sad confession when you have to do it yourself. You say, I have to, you can't trust anybody else, so you're going to do it yourself. But the root behind this type of thinking, what I've come to find out, is that people are only going to hurt you, so that's why you feel that way, yeah. is, is rooted in fear. Yes. You know, it's rooted in fear. But perfect love casts all fear. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Don't allow fear to dominate and to rule your thinking Thanks. because uh, that's not how God uh, builds. That's not how God keeps. You know, God keeps us and builds by his very nature, which is love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, powerful. That is so powerful, Dana. Well, um, I think we can leave it at that at this point in time, but I'd love to have you back and and uh, deep dive into some more discussion on these things. Um, and I trust that you've been inspired today to consider some, some areas of your life and your leadership that you can work on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always edified and encouraged with this kind of discussion. And of course, here, that's the whole idea here. I want, I want to keep it real and just in a, in a discussion kind of conversational way um, so that you just join our discussion. Because if Dana and I were um, doing this alone, this is how we would talk. <laughs> we would just chat yes. like this about stuff and give <laughs> insights. And, and so we love you to just join us in our, in our conversation. So thank you for being with us, Dana. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate your time today. And jumping. Always an honor, brother. Always an honor being with you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so I look forward to doing some more in the future, um, jumping on the podcast and, and uh, allowing the Facebook group um, members to have access to, to some of your wisdom and your experience. And uh, love it, brother. Just, just love it. I love your approach and love your heart and appreciate it tremendously. Thank you. Thank you. Love you too. Right. Till next time, this is Sean, your host, and Dana Thompson, all the way from Texas in the USA <laughs> and Pennsylvania, the South African in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we greet you and bless you. Thank you for being with us and uh, hope you stuck it right through. Hey, listen, if you don't watch the video or if you can't watch the video driving in your car or shopping or uh, 
whatever working you can catch it on the KLE podcast as well we are there we are there indeed um, kingdom leadership equipping all right until next time this is from Dana and Sean saying God bless you we'll see you soon God bless you